0: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
1: It's 12.03 on a rainy and gray Thursday afternoon, February 9th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Disney undergoing changes under the direction of newly returned CEO Bob Iger. We'll take a closer look at our next segment. But right now, the Chicago Auto Show opens to the public on Saturday, but previews are already underway. Let's bring in Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter, based in Detroit, Uh, but actually he's in Chicago for the auto show at McCormick Place uh, right now, as a matter of fact. And it sounds like this year's auto show is basically the EV show.
2: Yeah, EVs and SUVs, and you'll have to excuse me, I'm in a somewhat noisy room here because there are a lot of journalists waiting for the uh, head of Subaru to talk about their EV plans. But uh, SUVs in terms of a Grand Highlander from from, uh, Honda, And EVs, not so much new models, but, for example, this is the first time the public is going to get to see the concept EV of what a Ram pickup may look like. And Hyundai just announced something really interesting, the opportunity for people to lease an electric vehicle month by month, sort of a try-before-you-buy kind of thing.
1: And, and this is uh, just because of the COVID-19 pandemic and cancellations and shows being moved. Uh, this is basically the, the, the first old-time Chicago Auto Show uh, since 2019.
2: Yeah, it, it's interesting. Actually, 2020, the Chicago Auto Show was kind of like the last big automotive event before everything shut down. And you might recall they did a summer show in 21. Last year, they did a show where they used only one of the halls here at McCormick. Now they're back to two halls, how it used to be. But after walking through the show floor, you'll see there aren't quite as many exhibits as there were before. But every year, it comes back a little bit more.
1: And then uh, just as far as the uh, cars on display are concerned, uh, does this reflect an auto industry that is still struggling with supply chain issues?
2: A little bit of it, but it also reflects an auto industry that during the pandemic learned that there were other ways to introduce vehicles. So, you know, it used to be you go to some of these major auto shows like Chicago, Detroit, New York or Los Angeles, and that's where most of the new models would be introduced. Now they're doing it virtually. They're doing it off-site events. So auto shows don't have as many big introductions as they used to. But there are still some new products here. For example, I mentioned the Toyota Grand Highlander. A new version of the Atlas from the Volkswagen will come out this afternoon. So you will see some things that haven't been seen before.
1: And then how how is the schedule changed for the big uh, auto shows? Because it used to be Detroit was first out of the gate, and then uh, this may have been announced before the pandemic or during the pandemic. Detroit was being moved into the summer, and as a result, Chicago was the first auto show. Is that still the case in 23?
2: It's still the case. Detroit announced before the pandemic that they wanted to have a summer show, so they were moving it to June. During the pandemic, they changed it again, so now Detroit is in September. So Chicago is generally the first big show of the year now. Chicago has said bluntly that they like being at this time, that this is a time of year where people don't have a lot of other distractions, so they feel they're going to get more people here in February when you know they're not competing with a couple of baseball teams or a football team playing where, uh, you know, they they have the spotlight, if not totally to themselves, they have a bigger chunk of the spotlight than if they were in the summer.
1: Well, have fun down there at McCormick Place. Uh, Try to get a picture of uh, you behind the wheel pretending to drive the car. And uh, don't uh, overdo it on the new car smell, Jeff.
2: Okay, very good. That can be, you know, a little overwhelming. (laughs) All
1: right, thanks a lot. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Correspondent at the Chicago Auto Show at McCormick Place. It starts this weekend... (laughs)
0: Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: Walt Disney is announcing job cuts and a renewed focus on its core brands and franchises. Let's discuss this uh, restructuring with Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group based in Chicago. Tim, thanks for joining us today. 7,000 jobs will be cut by uh, Bob Iger as he uh, returns to Disney after the tenure of CEO Bob Chapek. And it should be noted, uh, Tim, that the 7,000 employees who are being laid off, it sounds like they were all part of that uh, that, that special operations section, for lack of a better word, that, uh, that Bob Chapek had formed during his brief tenure as CEO.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is essentially a, uh, a rethinking of the previous rethinking of how uh, all of this uh, should be structured. In essence, what uh, what Iger and his team have done uh, is to kind of reset uh, some of the changes that uh, Bob Chapek had put into motion to somehow streamline uh, the advent of streaming becoming a more important part of the overall dynamic. Um, Some would argue perhaps overly so, and perhaps a little premature, given uh, that uh, it's still very much a loss leader streaming is. But in essence, you've got now three newly defined or redefined or maybe revisited divisions, three groups that are uh, a little bit more firmly defined, and to the inside, you know, Wall Street type might be a better situation for potential spinoffs and/or pieces uh, down the road should they need that strategic option.
1: Let's talk about Disney Plus because uh, uh, Bob Iger has said that streaming is the future. It's it definitely uh, there's growth in streaming, but the profits just simply aren't there yet. And uh, what does this mean not only for ESPN, which does has its own has its own standalone division in this new structure, but what does that mean for ABC and for broadcast television? How do they fit into this vision for the future because people still watch broadcast linear TV. I mean, it's not uh, very sexy, but the viewers are there, the profits are there, and it's, it's something that streaming is yet to achieve.
3: Yeah, that, it's, it's a really good point. And in essence, this is a balancing act that, uh, you know, essentially, stuff we've talked about before, where the linear television models, cable and and, and broadcast and theater that come with all that um, are still pretty darn good at scale, uh, and are still the relative majority of how uh, people access television. The reality, though, is that that is declining for various reasons. And streaming, obviously, is growing in leaps and bounds. But the the profit margin in streaming is far less. It's the proverbial digital dimes for linear dollars trade-off kind of thing. And I think the reality is that um, it's really a, an exercise in what we would call managing decline. right? And the decline is the linear television business. Now, that doesn't mean it goes away. Uh, but it has to be de-emphasized in some respect, knowing that the other part is growing—that is streaming. Um, and you know, look, Iger went out of his way yesterday to say that ESPN is a is a differentiator for for Disney and live sports thing. Fox knows this too, right? Does very very well with that live sports thing, um, and the Super Bowl, as we see next week or this weekend, um, is another piece of evidence where you're going to get 100 million eyeballs uh, watching that game. So. Um, I, that said, uh, ABC is a broadcast television network. I'm not sure. Uh, I think lots of things are on the table for Disney strategically to potentially get rid of. That could be one of them because it is uh, a lagging uh, uh, kind of asset. I think, frankly, uh, Hulu could also be in the conversation about being uh, sold or spun off, too. So lots of, lots of pieces to manage up that overall decline.
1: Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertaire Group based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, a look at Chicago area restaurants for Valentine's Day.
0: An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: Valentine's Day is expected to be huge for Chicago area restaurants this year. We welcome in Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Izzy, thanks for joining us today. And This is shaping up to be the first normal for lack of a better word valentine's day since 2020
4: well i uh sorry rob i think that uh it's going to go beyond normal i think it's going to be exceptional uh this is really the year everybody's been coming out for the last six to eight months uh not wearing masks those worries are gone i'm projecting for all the people that i work with it's going to be a record valentine's day
1: how much pressure are restaurants under on Valentine's Day? The pressure to deliver the perfect romantic experience uh, because the people who are showing up want, for lack of a better word, the perfect date. Uh, you have a lot of emotions. There's a lot of pressure. There's people who will uh, maybe fly off the handle at a server because things aren't just right compared to just an average Saturday or Sunday. Uh, what? Just, just describe the pressure cooker situation that Valentine's Day is in the restaurant industry?
4: Well, it's a big one. And again, as you say, uh, guest uh, expectations are extremely high. And I think, you know, where the biggest issues come in is, is how did that night start? And a lot of places take reservations. And if guests are sitting at the table taking a little more time, and your guests coming in at seven or eight o'clock and Now you have to wait 30 to 40 minutes for a reservation. That's not a good start to Valentine's Day. So it really is a pressure cooker for restaurants to get people in and out and let them have an incredible time. And uh, the servers and what we do with our servers is we give them a few less tables so that a full concentration can go to those, uh, you know, two tops. uh, Everybody else who wants to have that romantic evening.
1: And how do you, uh, what do you counsel restaurants as far as that reservation policy is concerned? Obviously, you want to get as many people uh, through the establishment as possible. But as you said, uh, on Valentine's Day, they take their time. And uh, a backup can, uh, you could have a considerable traffic jam in a short amount of time.
4: Well, you know, I counsel them on really two things. One, take the reservation, but give the table an hour and 45 minutes to relax, enjoy, have a romantic dinner, and an hour and 45 minutes should be uh, long enough. And let people know that uh, when they make the reservation that, you know, we'll have the table for an hour and 45 minutes uh, so that they know what the expectation is as well. And, of course, the restaurant has to produce getting the food out quickly and the drinks out quickly. But I also counsel the restaurants that when you take reservations – Uh, Get a credit card and let people know, you know, there will be a, you know, $50 or $100 charge to your card if you don't uh, show up. Because a lot of times restaurants take these reservations and they've blocked out all these seats and all of a sudden, you know, people have decided to go somewhere else. And now they're going to have a, the restaurant's going to have a bad night. So uh, it really is a commitment on both sides, the restaurateur and the guest.
1: And then very quickly, speaking of bad nights, uh, do you also have advice for servers who uh, may have a happy couple when uh, you take the drink order, but they've broken up by dessert?
4: <laughs> that, that is a tough one. Uh, you know, you may want to get that second drink to them quickly. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you hope that uh, it's all going to go well. And if somebody proposes, you hope the uh, other person uh, says yes. Uh, beyond that, the, uh, the server can't do a whole lot more.
1: That's the bartender's responsibility. Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, making sure your online activities are secure.
2: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date Detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The COO of Southwest Airlines says the company is working to ensure it won't have another breakdown like the one that grounded thousands of flights in late December. The cost of a Super Bowl food spread isn't as high as last year. Technology Thursday will discuss doing a security audit of your personal online activities. Artificial intelligence creating a buzz on Wall Street, but there are some concerns. It could be the next bubble. WBBM business, the markets are lower, the Dow down 97 points, the NASDAQ down 18, S&P 500 down 10. We have 41 degrees right now in Chicago with light rain topping out in the mid-40s, but then temperatures tumbling into the 30s later this afternoon. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. Executives from Southwest Airlines are on Capitol Hill being grilled about an operational meltdown. We messed up.
3: Chief Operating Officer Andrew Watterson says they're making sure this doesn't happen again.
5: We're intensely focused on reducing the risk of repeating the operational disruption and repairing the trust of our companies had and earned over a 52-year history.
3: Paul Hudson is the president of Flyers Rights and said what happened was unacceptable.
5: Passengers were unable to talk to any airport representative in person, on the phone, or online. All this occurred while other airlines had empty seats.
3: Thousands of flights were canceled, the mess affecting more than 2 million travelers. Stacey Lynn, CBS News, Washington.
1: Football fans are facing grocery bills that won't be as high as last year's super bowl maybe
2: skip the deviled eggs we already know egg prices are high but shoppers should expect other super bowl fan faves to be cheaper despite inflation (laughs) analysts say chicken wings avocados even sirloin steak are all less expensive than they were a year ago steak prices are down about a dollar wings about 73 cents less per pound and don't forget the guac avocados are down 20 percent but not everything is cheaper Chips, beer, and soda will cost a little bit more. Burgers are about the same. Monica Ricks, CBS News.
1: It's 1232. The noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red. We're joined by Gary Kultbaum, president. Kultbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando. The website, GaryK.com. Any particular reason why the uh, markets went from being slightly higher to slightly lower?
6: Uh, Just vertigo. Uh, That's what we've had for like the last five or six days. Uh, You got to remember, we had a very big runoff of uh, January sixth low, and you're going to hit areas uh, where you get, uh, you know, uh, air pockets, and probably in here you're getting some of that right now. And there would be nothing wrong to sit around or pull back a few percent over the next few weeks and set the stage for higher prices. What we have to watch out for though is if big selling comes in, a lot of things breaking down, and some uh, right now that hasn't happened. It's just normal as normal can be this second.
1: A couple of minutes ago, we talked about the restructuring at Disney and how it affects the uh, streaming and ESPN portions of the business. But I want to ask you about their theme parks business, which did come in rather strong in the fourth quarter of last year. And that's another temperature check on the state of the American consumer. They clearly feel confident enough to fly to Disney World or take a Disney cruise.
6: Yeah, I can tell you there's absolutely nothing wrong. I'm living here in Central Florida, there's nothing wrong with the theme parks. Uh, they are going great guns. Uh, I think it's a combination of, A, there's Disney is just a magnet for families, uh, but also a lot of families that could not get out on vacation because of COVID. Finally, st- still that's going on. And now you're getting foreign uh, uh, people coming in that were uh, left behind for a very long time. So that's good news, especially for the Central Florida uh Uh, Economy, just so you know, in central Florida, uh, 75 million visitors. Uh, creating 75 billion in economic impact. That's how uh, important it
1: is. Oh, Gary, I, I'm I'm one of the 75 million. Uh, I have been <laughs> welcomed. Uh, if if you go to the Orlando Airport and you go on the People Mover, uh, I have been uh, one of the many millions welcomed to the city beautiful by Mayor Buddy Dyer, which is the uh, recorded <laughs> announcement on the yes. on the People Mover. Uh, Pepsi, another consumer facing uh, business, um, advancing today. You know what does this say about the American's ability? to spend through inflation
6: the food beverage drug household products uh, tobacco to a lesser extent uh, these are what is known as consumer staples that are known as pr- basically recession resistant so if the economy is in bad shape what do you need you need soap you need uh, diapers and things like that will typically hold up better and do better uh, that said Uh, You know, in cases like Procter & Gamble, sales down 1% year over year because they said people are buying less because uh, their dollar is going less. So there's a little bit of that uh, on some of these names. And it's just a matter of uh, prices going to stay elevated, will not be great news if they – come down it'll be it'll be better news and there's been things coming down but there's still things i i do all the shopping the food it's still elevated out there the
1: uh, the, the the nasdaq is off to its uh, best start in over three decades but so far uh the dow jones industrial average has not followed along is there going to be a moment of equilibrium later this year where one catches up with the other
6: uh, in bull markets, Nasdaq is always better than the Dow, and in bear markets, the Dow always holds up better than uh, the Nasdaq. It's simple as that. The Nasdaq's actually catching up to the Dow that was uh, actually doing all the uh, heavy lifting uh, into the end of the year, but Nasdaq now finally, uh, you know, catching fire. Just remember, the Nasdaq was the worst area since the highs in uh, 2021. So I call this a good counter trend. I'm not so sure we're out of the bear market for the NASDAQ, but certainly right now it has the uh, the big money flows. And when the NASDAQ gets going, it usually uh, has momentum for quite a while and you get outsized moves.
1: Gary Kulpbaum, President Kulpbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando, the website GaryK.com. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, checking out the security of your online activity. It's conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the
0: WBBM Noon Business
1: Hour. It's Technology Thursday, and this afternoon we're looking at strategies to keep your personal information safe. Let's get some insight from Adam Levin, founder of CyberScout and host of the podcast What the Hack? With Adam Levin. Adam, thanks for joining us today. And you know, spring cleaning time is just around the corner. And uh, what are some things you can do to uh, perform spring cleaning on your cybersecurity practices?
7: Well, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Uh, secondly, if this is the time for what we call a cyber hygiene reset, the first thing you should do is do a personal privacy audit. And that means go on Google or DuckDuckGo or one of the you know more anonymous VPNs and check out what's out there about you. And in particular, you should be interested in where data brokers have information because you'd be surprised at how many there are and how much information they have in terms of your name, your address, your relatives, things like that. Then you have to go into what we call the three M's. How do you minimize your risk? How do you monitor And what's your plan to manage the damage if you have a problem? So the first M, do do you have passwords that are long, strong, and unique? Or do you have a password manager? Now, I know Google has a thing now where they basically say to you, we've done a scan of all of the accounts uh, that you use through us, and we can tell you that your passwords are not so great. Or some are good, some are bad, some you've reused, you need to change them. The second thing is... Is your two-factor authentication activated and that means if someone attempts to go online and get into your accounts you'll be notified and more importantly they they are required to take an extra step in order to be able to get in also check out where your information is shared a lot of the sites now will tell you uh, where where they share your information what apps are connected into them Uh, also Uh, See who's connected to your network. You know, for instance, on Apple, it'll say there are X number of devices that are connected that are Apple devices. And you go down the list and go, wait a minute, that that is either me or not me. Also, change your passwords on your Internet of Things devices. And when you set up security questions and answers, always remember to lie like a superhero. Monitoring, get your credit report, review it, track your credit score sign up for transaction alerts with your financial institutions that notify you anytime there's activity in your credit card or bank accounts, review your explanation of benefit statements that come in from your health insurers, and then ask yourself, how thorough is my monitoring service? Am I monitoring my ID? Am I monitoring my credit? Am I monitoring the dark web? Because there are many programs out there that are very good to help you do that. And the last thing is, Know what your damage control program is if you have an incident. And a lot of people don't realize through your insurance company, your financial institution, or your employer, there are programs available to help you get through an identity incident, plus they have monitoring and other things, and oftentimes they're deeply discounted because of your relationship with the institution. So check those things out, and that is your spring Cyber hygiene checklist.
1: And those are some great suggestions, Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday, and still to come, could there be an AI bubble in the offing?
0: A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: Artificial intelligence is all the rage among consumers and investors lately, but could there be a bubble forming? Let's get the view of Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall. Wall. Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. I mean, AI is the future. Uh, It is a uh, transformative technology. Big companies have spent billions of dollars developing this technology, so they know it's a part of their future. But what are the telltale signs that a bubble is forming in this particular sector?
5: Well, that is the question to ask. And I think one of the first steps towards wisdom when you ask that question is that Don't focus on the technology itself, but focus on the sentiment of investors. The question isn't, as you pointed out in the intro, the question isn't whether AI is going to be a big boon to any of a number of industries and into uh, our way of life. But rather, it, I have people gotten ahead of themselves in excitement about uh, about the technology. Almost every other new technology in history, in fact, I'll go so far as to say every new technology, every new revolutionary change in technology in the past, has led to overexcitement on the part of investors, and there had to be a correction. And so there's no reason to expect that it would be any different uh, in this case.
1: And we have a test case uh, that's fairly recent. And I guess you can call uh, the run-up in pandemic-related stocks a bubble. I mean, look at the darlings of 2020 and 2021, the, the Zooms and the Pelotons uh, now undergoing, uh, in the Pelotons case, a major restructuring to try to uh, reach those lofty heights of, uh, of three years ago.
5: Well, that's right. It turns out that another, I think another tendency, I'm not going to say it's an, a hard and fast rule, but a, another tendency we've seen, especially in the last 20 years in the, uh, the tech boom, is that the first company that arrives is often the one that dominates. And even when it doesn't dominate, there will only be one major winner. Uh, eventually, So look at, for example, in the search space. This is search even before AI got involved in the search. Google search was the first major one to arrive and has definitely dominated the space. the space. I'd go so far as to say that Microsoft's Bing is just as good. In fact, sometimes I will check the two of them to see how quickly they'll search. And Bing sometimes is a nanosecond faster and so forth, comes up with just as good of an answer. And yet Bing is only a fraction of the search traffic that Google has. And I suspect that... I don't know that every single company that's currently in the AI space is going to be able to be equally successful, even if one of them ends up dominating, which I suspect will be the case.
1: Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com. Thank you for the insight this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app.